podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? Going very well, David. Football's in, uh, in, in full swing. Yeah. Miami goes on the road uh, on Saturday to play Louisville. Um, you're not going. When's the last time you've not been to a Miami game? Probably been a uh, long time, right? Years, maybe. Maybe I think I missed one when my um, when my husband's uh, when when our niece, I guess I should say, got got married. Mm-hmm. So uh, several years ago, yeah. that was. <laughs> it haven't been many. Um, so yeah, Miami goes up to Louisville on Saturday. There will be some fans in attendance. Um, remember the Louisville game last year? That was feels like a long time ago that Jared Williams threw for six touchdowns in, in Miami. That was the high point of the uh, Dan Enos era, certainly. Probably the high point of the Jared Williams era, definitely, also. And really the high point of the last two seasons, basically. Yeah, exactly. It was the high point of the season, for sure. Um, it was just, you know, everything was everything went right in that game. Uh, you know, uh, just six, Jared Williams threw six uh, touchdown passes, and that broke that UM record. And there were six guys that were six quarterbacks that were tied for that record, and they included Bernie Kosar, Steve Walsh, Ken yeah. Dorsey. So it was pretty, it was a pretty cool day, and... Everybody thought at that point, and I'm sure you did too, that UM kind of was turning it around, mm-hmm. or UM set to finish well, and then that I think that was their last victory of the season, actually. So, and Jared Williams is gone, and now they, you know, they have a, I think a better quarterback, and um, uh, and and Louisville, has, I'm sure for sure hasn't forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was it was a. Uh... Right, because that was the week after the Florida State game last year. So it was like they kind of like strung together. And the Pitt game was two weeks before that, which was, you know, they kind of won a game they probably should have lost. And, you know, the three straight wins, it looked like they were figuring it out. And then uh, they had a bye week, and then they lost to FIU, and and, uh, (laughs) the wheels fell off. So, um, yeah, the wheels did fall off. So it's nice that they started. you know, with a, with a victory last week. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that tells us anything about this year's matchup? Obviously so much is different for Miami. Um, year two for, for Louisville's coach. Do, do you buy into any of what we saw last year is uh, meeting Miami has some sort of uh, advantage this weekend? No. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, think so. I think the the fact that I'm a huge Scott Satterfeld fan, the the coach at Louisville, um, who was at App State before, um, you know, last right. year was his first year there. Year two, they're gonna, and they ended yeah. up being pretty good last year anyway. I think they made a bowl game um, when like they were not projected to going into the season. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they'll be good. I mean, season. I think they're good. They have, a, they have, a, they you know, they took care of Western Kentucky last week, thirty-five twenty-one. Mm-hmm. And their, you know, their quarterback Michael. I don't know if that's how you say it. I guess it's Michael Cunningham. Um, yeah, I think so. Might be. Okay. He anyway. He um, yeah. He had he had three touchdown passes and he ran for a touchdown. Uh, and you know he had three three hundred forty three yards of passing. Um, 
and they've got you know so their their offense is really explosive. He can throw it deep. He, he can run, and um, he also has some really good receivers. Um, Tutu Atwell from from Miami, from Miami yep. Northwestern. He's a junior. Yeah, one of the best wide receivers in the country. Like legitimately a top guy. guy. Yeah. He torched Miami last. He torched. Last I think year. it was like a thousand yard receiver, or close to it last year. Yeah, more. Yeah, more. I think he had twelve twelve hundred. Yeah. Uh, about twelve hundred receiving yards, and um, anyway, last year he had six catches for one hundred and forty two yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. against Miami. So that's pretty scary. Um, and they also had they also had two two other players this past week. A senior, Des Fitzpatrick, two other receivers, a sophomore, Braden Smith, and each of them had four catches for 110 yards. Yeah. Each of them had four catches for 110. One of them with a touchdown, and Tutu had a good game. So, um, boy, that the pass defense is going to have its hands full, and they also have a really good runner in JV uh, and Hawkins. Yep. And, uh, and, and last year uh, – <laughs> He had 1,525 yards and nine touchdowns as a freshman running back. So, uh, yeah, this is a good, a good Louisville team for sure. They're 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 also favored. Yeah, so. yeah. I think you make the the secondary is going to have its hands full. I think a little bit, um, and we'll talk about that later. But it's kind of um, you know coming into the year, obviously, obviously Trevor Lawrence was you know he was he's the best quarterback in the conference. I think the consensus probably would have been Sam Howell was number two. Um, oh, yeah. With, with De'Ara King, probably in the mix. I think Mikhail Cunningham, at least through week one, looks like he's potentially in that mix also. Plus, I guess, like, Ian Book, like, if you count Notre Dame. But, like, so there's some interesting quarterbacks in this conference, and you get to see two of them in action um, on Saturday. Uh, right. uh, yeah, the 2-2 uh, versus Miami secondary matchup is pretty interesting. Um, like I said, we'll talk a little bit. We'll go a little, uh, we, we can talk about it now, actually. You want to do that with the uh, sure. Christian Williams transferring? Um, so Miami is really thin on the depth chart. Christian Williams entered the transfer portal this week. He uh, right. is a sophomore, I think, right? Or is he a redshirt freshman? I think a sophomore. Um, sophomore. And he was a big recruit coming out of high school, flipped from Alabama on National Signing Day. Um, yeah. From Alabama. Kind of picked Miami over. I think Texas A and M was like the other school that was really trying to get him. So you know he was like a legit SEC country corner. Clearly looked like he was fourth on the depth chart um, this year. Um, DJ Ivy and Al Blade started the opener. Uh, to Corey Couch was kind of the third option there. Um, Blake Baker said this week that Couch and Ivy are, are kind of battling for that spot opposite Blades. Blades looked really good to me. I, I think Blades is kind of like. Figured it out, and he's a pretty legit uh, corner on one side. Ivy got burned for a touchdown, um, but other than that, was was pretty much fine. And to Corey Couch, I think actually forced a, fu- I think he forced that fumble, uh, if I remember correctly, that um, UAB ended up picking up. And he's kind of always impressed me on special teams. So, and those are obviously three South Florida guys uh, going up against Tutu, who I'm sure they all know. Like Tutu is a quarterback at Miami Northwestern. Um, Miami ultimately did not really recruit him, um, and he winds, winds up at Louisville. They move him to wide receiver. You know, he's, he's tiny. What is he, like, listed at 5'9 or something? 
So so he was never going to be a quarterback. Um, I don't know if Louisville, like, what they kind of pitched him on. Like, if they just pitched him on athlete. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he likes that, that revenge game against Miami every year. And this could be his last year getting it, potentially, if he decides to go to the NFL. Oh, yeah, no doubt. He's very fast. You've seen him, right? So he's, he's really fast. I mean, they're, they're going to have their hands full. That's yeah. all. He, you know, he gets past the uh, DBs quickly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I don't think my, Miami has an advantage at all. No, I think definitely not. The advantage, they're at home. They have a really good offense. Uh, this should be a big test for Miami this week. Um, and they will have a crowd there. Yeah, they'll have they'll have that at least two or three times the amount Miami had for its opener, and they'll be loud, and maybe they'll they'll you know also put in some crowd noise. I don't know if they're going to do that or not, but yeah, um, yeah it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I, I think you know, I, I touched on it, but the Ivy Couch battle um, that, that's kind of going on this week. Um, I you know I I've always liked DJ Ivy I liked him a lot coming out of high school I thought he was he was kind of like an underrated guy who who came on late in his career at, at South Dade but he's never like the greatest athlete like he was just always you know he's really lanky and um, like kind of technically sound and all that um, I, I I think Couch is a guy that they could spend a lot of the game potentially on two uh, two because Couch is you know a little bit undersized but you know he's got the long arms that you look for and then you know. When you're that small, like he is, you know, I don't know what he's listed at, but he's he can't be more than five nine either. Um, you know, you you got to have that speed. So I, I think he could potentially spend a lot of the game matched up on two two, and and the safety, you know, they're gonna have to use a lot of safety help on him, like you said, because the speed is uh, pretty dangerous with him. And Miami's good in the in the safe the safeties group is good, so that that's kind of a a saving grace potentially yeah. for Miami. Yeah, right. They are really good, and um, and I, I think we will see a lot of couch. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like I said, he's kind of impressed me every time he's been on the field. Um, you know, even I, I think in the bowl game last year, he had like a penalty on a punt return that was like kind of a killer, but it was still like he was. It was like inches away from being a great play and forcing a fumble on a punt return. Uh, he like hit the guy right before he caught the ball and hit him fair catch. Um, so like I've just always kind of liked the way he kind of goes about things like he's he's got that kind of like that it factor that dog as people say uh that i i think you need at cornerback and as much as i like ivy and you know still kind of like his potential like i think couch has that in a way that um dj does not yeah they just need they just need more um they need more bodies Yes, that's obviously the big concern. Is like you can't go. I mean, you can go three deep theoretically, um, but like as soon as someone gets banged up or you play a team that is like you know plays a lot of five wide, then you run into trouble. Right. And by the way, Corey is five ten, one seventy two. Yeah. I just looked up, so he's probably like five nine. Five nine. Yeah. <laughs> he's not very much taller than me. And Tutu's probably five eight. So. Yeah, yeah. TC is taller than Tutu, I'm pretty sure. Um, one other lineup change this week: Jakai Clark going back into the starting lineup for Usman Traor. Um, any any thoughts on that? Um, well, it's funny. We, I mean, we thought Usman or they 
decent game, and I think he was rated okay. He was rated um, their best run blocker, I want to say, but he was kind of like I, the lo- according to PFF, but he was the lowest ranked starter for them on offense, and, at least. And I and I from what from what I think it was Rhett Lashley maybe said, um, but Jakai had been injured. Yeah. Um, yeah, in uh, preseason. Preseason, right? He said just the yep. last couple of weeks he kind of came back, and I don't, I don't think we knew that, did we? I don't. I don't think so. I don't remember them mentioning that. We haven't seen practice again, so. Um, but apparently, Jakai was injured, and you know he started. You know, started almost every game. Yeah, last I think year. like twelve games last year, or eleven games. Yeah, right guard. So um, I think they want to give him a shot. They obviously think that he, he's right now more capable of starting than Usman. I yeah. mean, or they wouldn't put him in. Yeah, he's a guy they. Lo- I mean, at least the old staff like really liked him. The old, you know, Enos and uh, Butch Berry. Yep. They like like his like personality and you know he was smart. a kid. Yeah, smart, very smart kid. And you know he was a kid who was not. A very, very highly like sought after recruit coming out of high school. Um, you know, he picked Miami over Illinois. Like he was, you know, it's not like I think he was committed to Auburn at one point, but early on. Um, so you know, he was kind of a guy that was just supposed to be. You know, this, I think they they recruited him thinking he was going to be the center of the future and and a guy who would basically be able to develop behind Corey Gaynor, which obviously like theoretically would have meant he wasn't starting till probably at least twenty twenty one. But you know he he's got that like maturity and he was pretty good as a run blocker I think last year you know he moves pretty well um, in in terms of, like pulling and stuff so um, yeah I mean I think Treori just like it seems like that competition was always going to be kind of close between those two and Treor was uh, I guess kind of the weak link for on the offensive line in a lot of ways on Thursday so last Thursday so. Kind of makes sense to get Jakai back in there, I guess. And like you said, yeah, if, he's the, if he's the better, like, if he's playing, it means they think he's the better guy. Yeah, and they'll see. They'll see quickly enough. You know, they'll see. I mean, but, yeah, UM did run for 337 yeah. yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and according to Lashley, the two sacks, uh, you know, UAB's two sacks, you know, they sacked the quarterbacks twice. Yeah. UM quarterbacks. And a pe- Lashley said it had nothing to do with the uh, with the O line. Yeah. So uh, I think it was on Derek. Yeah, which is actually I think that's what like the PFF grade said too. So like that everyone's kind of in agreement there that he was either yeah. you know scrambled into someone or, or was sitting in the pocket a little bit too long. The O line, I mean, see what happens this week. They'll they'll know they'll know quick enough. It, it seems like Lashley and Karen Justice are very good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like there there were some promising signs with the O line in, in week one, um, but it's you know it's it's a different you know as good as UAB is and you know we've talked about it a lot that UAB is pretty good. Uh, there's still a difference between like power five, front seven. <laughs> like we'll, we'll get a much better idea, I think, of how where they're at this week. Yeah. And the one thing I would say is, yeah, I hope they kind of find a group and are able to stick with it because. It helps, right? Like you don't want to have so you know. It's good to be able to like rotate guys in, obviously, and keep the keep keep people fresh. But right. uh, you don't want to be changing your starting lineup every week on the offensive line, which I don't necessarily think they're going to. But you know, they they move pieces around 
quite a bit last year. So um, I, I know you want the competition and all that, but you also offensive line is, as everyone knows, is, is a position where that continuity is important. Yeah, I think that's they've said that all along, and yeah. I, I think they're they trying to stick with the five guys. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Uh, we are back. You uh, kind of alluded to it right uh, at the end of that last segment where Derek King was... Uh, I guess the one to blame for a couple of those sacks. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. He said uh, on Wednesday, basically like, you know, it was his first game in Miami. He had kind of like some of those, I don't know what the word he used was, but like jitters basically. Like it took him some time to settle down um, and kind of like trust, I guess, well, you you probably remember better. What, what was he basically saying? It took him like some time to like, kind of trust the group up front and settle in, and, and you really saw that in the third quarter. Yeah, he said he wants to improve on being calm in the pocket. Yeah. That's what he said. That, he, you know, my word was jitters, but but he said that he, he kind of felt out of sorts. It was the first game at times he felt out of sorts. And he said that he would feel a little bit of pressure. He would, like, feel it and just would immediately try to escape. And I think... Coaches told him, and Lashley for sure said they want him to stay in the pocket a little bit longer. Just, you know, just wait half a second, one second or whatever to look to see if anybody's available. And he said he's going to try that uh, this this week. It makes you a little nervous, kind of. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, means that to me what Derek does so well is, oh, my God, he, he's just beautiful to watch, you know. He, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely his strength is that running, as we saw. But, um, uh, yeah, he's so good. He just, the way he twists and turns and his balance, and he's really good, you know, and it's so much fun to watch him break free, and he makes, he definitely makes something out of nothing. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we have to see what happens there. I, I hope he doesn't wait too long and start getting sacked, you know? Yeah. Well, I will say, I can't remember if we said it on the podcast last week after the UAB game, um, but that UAB game, you know, tied at, was it tied at halftime? Or no, Miami was up seven at halftime. It was tied in the third quarter, or, you know, it was was a close game basically into the third quarter. Um, A year ago, a year ago, it kind of feels like that would have been a game Miami lost, right? Like, or at least, or at least it would have gone down to the last possession. Um But clearly that didn't happen this week, this year, right? That's the beginning. But I agree. 
you, um, but you didn't you didn't get that feeling this time. And, right. uh, I don't know. And Derek is yeah, the main I, I, track. That's my wonder is is Derek that difference? And that's something it's hard to learn just from week one. We clearly see is a difference in terms of like. Uh, he's clearly the best quarterback they have had since Brad Kaya, I think. Um, and, but it is that kind of like that leadership factor that we've heard so much about through the preseason. And, and you, you know, what you were just talking about with, um, you know, he's got that kind of level of accountability. He, you know, panicked maybe a little bit early on. That's, that's probably too strong a word, but basically, you know, he had those jitters early on. And then obviously settled in as the game went on, didn't panic at halftime when, when things weren't going entirely right. Um, so that is, I mean, that's going to be the difference with this team, potentially. You know, it, you can talk all about the, the new offense um, or, you know, improvement on the offensive line, but they have not had a quarterback um, who, I mean, I didn't know Brad at all, uh, Brad Kaya. I wasn't here. But they have not had a quarterback who kind of like, exuded confidence in the way that uh, D'Eric does since at least Kaya. Like Malik, you know, Malik is such a nice guy, but just did not necessarily have that. You know, he just was, he wasn't good enough to have that kind of confidence. And, and even Jaron at his, his highest points, there was always kind of the lingering, like, you know, what's going to happen if he has a bad game? Like, is he going to like D'Eric? I mean, he hasn't had a bad game yet. So maybe we, we just haven't seen that side of him. But everything we've seen so far makes me think he's going to be the guy who can stabilize them in a way they haven't been able to in, in quite a while. And remember, uh, Brad Kaya, when he came to Miami, he was a baby. I mean, he was... Yeah, he started as a true freshman, right? Yeah, he was a freshman. And um, so, our King, we see him now as, as he's grown up over the years. Right. Um, and, and he's good. Anyway. Right, he had all of his growing and, pains and, and, in Houston. I know you didn't... Me panic. I don't. He never. That's the thing about him. It never seems like he panics. I don't even right. think he thought panic. He to to try to escape the pocket. Yeah. And um, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just uh, it's he has panic wasn't the right word, but I basically mean like it wasn't going as well as it could have gone in the first half, and you know, right. I think a lot of the quarterbacks they've had, whether it was Jaron or Nikosi. Or, or even Malik would have started to maybe, I don't know if doubt themselves, but, you know, maybe you try to do a little too much. Um, you know, obviously Jaron and Nikosi had those weird, like Jaron in particular had those weird interception problems where things would start going bad and then he would throw like three interceptions and then he wouldn't throw any other interceptions for the rest of his career, basically. Like, so they're... Yeah, that's... does not seem to bad. have any of that. Where, you know, maybe he'll fumble or something because he runs too much, but, like, for the most part, it just doesn't seem like he's going to, like, make mistakes. Like, he's not going to make those mental mistakes that, that a lot of the guys recently have. And I think you make a really good point that he is a redshirt senior who has uh, two years, three years of starting quarterback experience under his belt already. I mean, he's gone through the growing pains. He was, like, a wide receiver at times at Houston. Um, like, he's totally – he's, like, an adult. Like, I mean, we, we talk about – I think we talk about a lot with, like, the linebackers last year were just, they kind of felt like adults, you know, the, the senior linebackers who had started 40 plus games, um, Shaq and Pinckney, right. they just like felt like adults, you know, they're 22, 23 years old. They are professionals. They're thinking about what do I need to do to play professional football? What do I need to do to live in the real world next year? And, and Derek has that 
uh, too. And, and that's an important thing that we talked about with the depth chart where it's a lot of I, – th- I think there was only like one – player younger than a redshirt sophomore or a junior on the start in the starting lineup. Like they have adults on this team, which, which they did, you know, they have adults on every team, but they have, they don't have a lot of people who are kind of like out there winging it and trying to figure out what to do. Most of this roster now is experienced and that that's important. Very important, mm-hmm. like unbelievably important. And it used to be uh, way more common, you know, yeah. in the past. Yeah, I mean that's what they when they keep talking about when they keep talking about building up competition. That's really what they mean is like just having you. You don't want to just be having to throw freshmen in who because you don't have any other options there. And I think that was obviously like really evident last year with the offensive line, um, where you know Zion and Jakai probably were not ready to be starting in the ACC, but because there was no competition, you had to start these freshmen because the upperclassmen hadn't um, you know hadn't earned it, and, and now. Obviously, more of those guys have started to earn it. Um, a couple other big questions I have going into week two. Um, stuff that we're still looking to see get answered. Uh, defensive line, you know, they only had one sack on in the UAB game, but uh, Blake Baker seemed pretty happy with the way they played, right? I think they said, like, ten pressures. Um, still, I want to see those guys, like, you know, we thought they were going to be, and this was obviously with Rousseau, we thought they were going to be, like, the best defensive line in the country. Um they look good, but I, I want to see them still take it up to that like next level where they look like they're yeah. right there with Clemson as like the best front lines in the in the ACC. I think this week is going to be a real a huge test. Yeah, like we said, I, I, I Blake Baker, the defensive coordinator, said that they had sixteen pressures and ten quarterback hits. Ten hits. That's and what it was. And Diaz said uh, on, on Wednesday that it, you know it's all about pressures. It's it's all about yeah. The, the, the quarterback and I think and they those UAB had 80 yards rushing um you know so that's that was that was as good as you can do pretty much and um you know I I think I think they're gonna get better but I I really want to see how they do this uh this game I I think I think Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips are really good yeah really good combo uh on the ends um, and, you know, and then the, the inside guys, obviously they only had 80 yards rushing, but, again, this is going to be a way bigger test yeah. coming up this week. We just have to see. Because yeah. they're going to be way faster. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Man- Manny's right. Obviously the pressures is the most important thing because, you know, it it's prevents you from really hitting on those big plays as an offense. But at the same time, like, the other thing you want with pressures is, is to force the team to make mistakes. And, I mean, so much of what my, has made Miami's defense great over the last, basically in Manny Diaz's time here, is um, the, the, the sacks and the tackles for loss. And, and then, obviously, the turnover chain we didn't get to see come out. Um, and, like, ultimately, Miami, they held them less than 300 yards, I think, right? So, like, they did their job, like, in terms of, like, that. that's a good threshold to, to shoot for. But they also, you know, no sacks, no takeaways. Like, those are, like, kind of like the game-swinging plays, like the, the pl- real plus plays you can get on defense. Um, that, you know, you, when, you, when you're getting pressures, you want to at least be, like, kind of creating turnovers out of it. You want to be forcing the quarterback to make a bad throw. 
Um, UAB clearly, you know, kind of game planned it where they were just going to throw short a lot. Um, but you got you got to try to make something out of that where, where you're getting all those pressures. I don't know how many tackles for loss they wound up with, but like, you know, that's I want to see Miami play to its strengths a little bit more, or at least what the strengths have been, because. Um, you know, as we talked about, the secondary is, is still probably the weakness in this defense. Um, so yeah. winning up yeah, front and making the key plays up front is going to be – that's what's going to make this Miami defense great. Yep, definitely. I'd, I'd love to see some turnovers and force some turnovers this week. Yeah. Um, well, and, do you have a prediction for what the turnover chain is going to look like? Yeah, I – Okay, this is what I was thinking. Okay, so let's go. Let's run through it first. There was the U in year one, then there was the Ibis in year two, and then year three was the three hundred five, right? Yeah. So I was like thinking, everything was going through my head. I was thinking, like, (laughs) you can't do three hundred five nine five four. That's what I think they should have done last year. Is like if a Fort Lauderdale guy got it, you give him a nine five four. If if a Palm Beach guy got it, you give him a five six one. crib or but like I like that idea that it's gonna like play into it somehow alternate Miami logos and I'm unaware of like because obviously like the Ibis is kind of like the alternate logo and that was uh what, uh, it, what it wound up being I can't think of one no it's really just the U and the Ibis right yeah the U the Ibis the yeah I mean yeah I'm looking on Google images right now if there's like a fun throwback one but nothing I can really find yeah I don't, I don't know what it's gonna be I'm really kind of I mean, I'm excited to see it because when they revealed the 305 one last year in uh, Orlando, like that was even. I mean, obviously the the first the first one like was un it will never be matched. The reveal of the first turnover chain when people were just like, "Wait a second, are they wearing a giant chain on the sideline?" Um, but the 305 one was, uh, you know, people were at least you know in Miami were were pumped about that, right? Like that. In a way that oh. neither of the first two did. It's like this, this, like it, it really reflects the city, obviously. How about a giant, like, cafecito cup? <laughs> that's good. That's good. Let's see. The crib, our city. No, that's too boring. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, you know, whatever it is, we're going to be like, ah, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Um, any. Oh. Any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Do you want to you want to finish up by like kind of talking about the offense and what we saw from you know we obviously recapped game one last week, but um, what what do you want to see from the offense now going into week two? You've had a time to sit on that week one win, um, 
obviously, you know, we, we still have stuff we want to see. Any, anything you're looking for this weekend? I want I want to see the receivers. Yeah. Catch more passes, which means De'Aaron throws a few more passes. I want to see some more completions, some more, you know, receptions. Uh, I want to see, well, that's the offense. I want to see Mark Pope uh, hold on to the ball when he does punt returns. Yeah. Uh, uh, I want. I want to see the young. I want. I hope they continue playing the young running backs. Yeah, that's going to be kind of the interesting thing to me because in week one they obviously you know they played all three running. I think all three guys, Cam, uh, Cheney, and Knighton, all got at least seven carries. I think. Um, and obviously Miami kind of figured out they were going to win that game by just pounding the rock. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I don't know enough about Louisville's defense. Obviously, it's early in the year. Miami, quite frankly, probably doesn't have a, a set game plan going in either. Um, but, like, if they can't run the ball like they did in week one, um, how will that shift things? You know, will they still play all three running backs? Um, will they force feed Brevin Jordan a little bit more, which, which clearly worked in the second half? Um on in the UAB game. So there's there's like interesting stuff where like we saw one game plan for Miami against UAB. Um and from what I gather, like just knowing what Rhett Lashley has done in other stops, you know, seeing what other people have said about Rhett Lashley who are more familiar with his offenses, it seems like he's what makes him great is that he like basically just he'll find what works in a game and he'll just keep doing that until um it doesn't work anymore. So, like, they're, they're, we saw one game plan. We saw the run-heavy game plan. There will probably be a game this year where we see the read-option game plan, and De'Aaron King runs for 150 yards. And there will probably be a game this year where we see the, the pass-heavy game plan, and, and De'Aaron King throws 35 times. Like, I, I think we're going to see a bunch of different looks from Miami, and I'm excited to see what we see this weekend. Yeah, I, I think they will go with uh, – I think if, uh, if with running backs – you know, running backs get into a groove. Yeah. And it's hard to keep switching them. Uh, but I think if somebody's not getting anywhere, you definitely have to put in the next guy. Um, yeah. That's, again, like what we were talking about with the competition. Miami keeps saying they want to get that competition level back. They have that back at running back. They, they don't necessarily have it on a yeah. lot of other spots on the field, but they have it at running back where Cam Harris, as good as he is, you know, he knows if he's not playing well, then – Don Chaney and, and Jalen Knighton are, you know, not a huge step down from him, and and obviously those two guys are going to push each other. You know, they're they seem pretty much even through one week. And they even played them evenly, which we said, which I really liked that they did that. Yeah. So they both came out feeling good, and nobody felt like they were the star. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of those guys felt like they were, uh, you know, the clear like odd man out, which right, which is or, or the odd man in or yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we can wrap things up there unless you got any uh, final thoughts. Oh, college uh, game day. Kirk Curve Street. Reese Davis. Oh, yeah. Game day. Game day. Game day. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Game day. Uh, crew's going to be there. Uh, sort and- of, right? I guess like a bunch of those guys are still remote. I watched a little bit of it last Saturday. And like Lee Corso is just doing it from his home. He's got a bunch of cardboard cutouts of all the other guys. Uh with him. Yeah, we'll be, I think Desmond Howard and Reese and those guys I think will be there. Yeah. And Herbie. Um, and that'll be 
that'll be fun. That's always, uh, yeah, like Derek King said, he's super excited. Yeah, I thought uh, that was, uh, you know, that was so many guys who we've asked about it this week who were just like, you know, it's just another game. But I love that Derek, who, you know, Houston, you know, they had high-profile games. I think they played Oklahoma in maybe the first, I think maybe college game day the first week of last season. They had a big game uh, against Oklahoma early in the year. It was like a national TV late-night game, um, primetime game. Like, I love that he was excited to, you know, he came to Miami to play in a game like this. Yeah, I like that because I think um, I think he, he really shines when he's, when the spotlight's on him. Uh, so, actually, he shines all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, no matter what game it is, but, uh, because he's so good, but uh, I think this probably gets him pumped. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people do really well in the limelight. Yeah. All right. So, um, I think. Yeah, let's let's wrap things up there. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. You can follow Susan on Twitter at SMillerDegnan. Uh, she's got all your coverage leading up to Miami-Louisville this weekend. Um, go to MiamiHerald.com. We have a lot of sports happening. Uh, and subscribe to the Herald Sports Feed. On Mondays, it's the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. On Tuesdays, it is uh, the Fish Bites podcast with Jordan McPherson, our Marlins podcast, as they are in a uh, in a playoff push right now. Uh, Wednesdays, it's Dolphins in depth um, as the Dolphins are getting started. Thursdays, it's the Heat Check podcast, which I am on. Uh, the Heat, of course, in I guess you, by the time you're listening to this, game two will have happened uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then uh, the Eye on the U podcast every Friday, looking ahead to the weekend slate. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. I'll have a story on uh, Bradley Jennings, probably by the time you're listening to this, uh, taken over from fellow Jackson Villian, Jackson Villain, uh, Shaq <laughs> Quarterman at middle linebacker. I talked to Shaq about it. Um, he was he was pumped for uh, Bradley to, to finally be healthy and, and kind of get in the starting job. So. Uh, yeah, thanks as always for listening, and we will uh, talk to you guys next week. All right, maybe they'll be 2-0, we hope. Yeah, maybe. It'll be fun to talk about then. <laughs>